ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Electric Leftovers. My name is Jason. This is episode 206. How are we doing today? Is everybody having a good time? A fancy time? A good time, I guess? Uh, let's see. What do we got to talk about this week? We have some new soundtracks up at the site, including Red Faction and Quake 4. We have the continuing saga of 365 Days of the Super Nintendo, and we should have some new Mystery Science Theater up since last we spoke. The new videos that we have, all coming from me this go-around, are some more Final Fantasy VII, we are almost done, and some Vagrant Story. Eh, Recording-wise, I'm about halfway done. Uh, The game has a new Game Plus mode, we are of course going to be doing that as well, so it's going to be a little longer playthrough than uh, a regular So it's going to spill over into February a little bit. Speaking of February, since that is going to be the day after you're hearing this, if you're listening to it new and live, we have a new topic for a new monthly from Jade in honor of Resident Evil 2's remake coming out, I guess. I think I heard something about that. Uh, Jade wants us to do games that have zombies as an integral part of the game. I asked him, does Vagrant Story count? They're zombies. And he said... Not in so few words, but he said, no, be quiet. And uh, so I shut up about it. And I have yet to pick a game. So if you've got any suggestions, uh, let me know. Because I don't have a lot of zombie games. Anyway, uh, music.
One of them is a police officer. The other is possessed by an ancient evil threatening all life on Earth. The horrifying bond between them will continue until something dies. A chilling adventure that could only come from the creators of Final Fantasy VII. An epic sci-fi tale told through stunning 3D rendered sequences. Battle mutant monsters in real-time polygon combat. Customized weapons, armor, and character abilities. This is Parasite Eve. An action RPG for the PlayStation, developed and published by Squaresoft, released in 1998. <coughs> Pardon me. And I really wish they wouldn't have mentioned Final Fantasy VII in there. That is not fair to put this game in with that. Put the sequels in with that, okay? Because those are terrible. And uh, Parasite Eve is not terrible. Parasite Eve is a great game. It has stunning graphics uh, for the time. These graphics in 1998 were amazing. It has an incredible soundtrack, which still holds up fine to this day. It's got a really interesting and unique story, and I like the battle system. And if the latter games had the same battle system, I would play the heck out of them. But unfortunately, they don't. Uh, Parasite Eve 2 went to kind of a Resident Evil thing, and Scarlet's doing third birthday, which is basically Parasite Eve 3. And it's only Parasite Eve 3 because the main character is the same. I don't know. Uh, Scarlet also did a Let's Play of Parasite Eve along with me. He did a pistol-only run, and, uh, yeah, he didn't do too bad. I mean, I, you know, I'm not gonna say I did better, but he didn't do too bad.
Oh, Operation C. You so silly. Well, maybe. Maybe not. You know, thinking back on it, I think I enjoyed playing this game quite a bit. I think so. Oddly enough, as, as few Game Boy games as I've got Let's Plays of, I seem to, you know, like I can't think of a time I haven't had a good time playing a Game Boy game, really. Even the weird, stupid ones that I've played. I, I generally have a really good time playing the Game Boy. I should let's play more Game Boy games. How about that? All right, let's see. Let's do that one. We don't have any uh, the usuals here. So we're going to pick... And, and the few reviews there are are all pretty pretty middle of the road. So, um, let's, let's do these two because I like the names. Ooh, this one even has a picture. Uh, okay, starting with this one. Diet Contra. Same great flavor. Now less filling. An Operation C review by 16Bitter, uh, who you can donate but since it's not office, we won't make that joke. Wow, he's got graphics, pictures in his review. Good job. I like you already. Operation C, Japanese characters, is a run-and-gun action platformer by Konami released under their short-lived Ultra Games marquee. That's one of the rare spin-offs from the main version of their legendary Contra franchise. While it's not quite as action-packed and as, 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 and as exciting as the proper console versions, there's still enough substance and challenge that fans of the series should certainly give this one a whirl. Even though it has a reputation as the easiest of all Contra games, easy is still quite a relative term when dealing with this notoriously tough franchise. Operation 2 stars player 2's character Lance Bean, Scorpion for some of the early Western literature, in a solo mission against another alien threat, Black Viper, across five levels of heavy opposition. The game looks and plays closely to the two NES Contra games, particularly Super C, with its alternating side-scrolling and overhead levels. Players will have to travel across waterfront bases, cliff sides, and alien strongholds, shooting down everything that moves and even a lot that doesn't. Graphics are pretty good for the Game Boy and consistent with the console games, although the monochrome palette, as always, leaves much to be desired. The music is mostly remixed tunes as well, although some of them sounded like new pieces and are all good anyway. The mechanics are also virtually identical to the NES games, although you may find that the game's notoriously fixed jumps are much more vertical than horizontal, making even small divides a challenge to get the hang of consistently. Basically, it's like a mini slice of a proper Contra game with a good approximation of the action, plenty of bosses and mini-bosses, and tons of enemies and turrets swarming the screen. It's only five levels long, so a skilled player should clear it in less than half an hour. But unlike so many Game Boy ports and spin-offs, Konami kept the difficulty intact for this one, and it's basically guaranteed that players will not finish this short game on their first try if they ever do. For one, the game only grants the player three lives, and two continues, not counting any you may earn from scoring, with full level restarts on continues that force you to run through the long gauntlet-like levels once again. The claustrophobic Game Boy screens make boss battles even more intense than on the consoles, and seven of them will surely frustrate until proper strategies are worked out. The first two levels are comparatively easy, but ramping kicks in by level three and holds out for the rest of the game, and only those dedicated enough to learn the enemy layouts will have a chance of seeing the end screen. The power-up system is slightly revamped for this edition. You will shoot down passing item containers to gain weapons, but there are only three this time around. Your default machine gun is sufficiently powerful to take out everyone you'll encounter, and its rapid fire gives you an immediate advantage over the starting gun from past games, but hanging on to one of the admittedly overpowered specials is key to victory. 
The famous spread gun returns and coats the screen in bullets, and it can be powered up twice by grabbing a second icon. The powerful fireball does double damage and has a large hitbox and explosive splash. And the new homing bullet provides fire and forget machine gun shots at only a slight power disadvantage. Each of these makes the levels become quite breezy, but holding on to them for long is tough. As a hardcore Contra fan, I can still recommend this one for a once-through. It's one of the few portable spin-offs that has enough unique elements that it's worth experiencing. Forget the Game Boy's meager Contra, the Alien Wars port. While also managing to keep things challenging. It won't be anyone's favorite game in the series, but it's pretty good by Game Boy standards for sure. Holy crap, ladies and gentlemen. That was a good review. Uh, he gave it three. Three out of five. And yeah, that was... I'm really good. Good formatting, good editing. Well, I got nothing to say about that. I feel like I've been doing that lately. The reviews have been just spot on. So we'll see what we get next time. Our next one, as addictive as Pringles. This one's by Zerk. 3D graphics and detailed plots may be the biz nowadays, but that doesn't mean there's no room for classic 2D blasters, does it? Hell no, you trouser-wearing sissy boy. Not if Operation C has anything to say. This classic 2D blast up is the best slice of hard-ass Game Boy pie money can buy. Now this is what I'm looking for in a review. Forget plot. There's probably something in the manual which I don't have, but it's not important. You play as a really hard guy, and it's your job is to kill as many moving things as you can before they kill you. Kill your way through each level, and you'll meet the end of level boss, which is usually some kind of big thing. You know, like a submarine with guns, or a tank with guns, or a giant gun, that kind of thing. The level varies from classic 2D to overhead semi-3D, which adds great variety. Level 1 is side-scrolling, level 2 is overhead, level 3 is side-scrolling again, and so on until level 5. Only 5 levels, you say? Well, yeah, but Operation C is no easy game. Newcomers will struggle to even pass the first level, and it gets harder each time. Reaching the final endurance test at the end of level 5, at which point you'll have to blast a tank for about half an hour. Note, half an hour equals more like 10 seconds. Is the hardest thing I've had to do on the Game Boy, so don't expect the 5 levels to be as easy as Kirby's Dreamland. Gameplay is all about holding down B and jumping around, and even if this sounds as much fun as... And even if this sounds as much fun as beans in a tin, I swear it's the best darn tin of beans you'll ever eat. Just work your way through each level shooting everything that moves, collecting weapon upgrades as you go. There are five guns for you to collect on your way, and they all have unlimited ammo. Gun number A, if A was a number, shoots loads of bullets in a line, which is great, but needs more precise aim. Gun number B shoots three bullets at a time, and gun number C shoots five at once. Gun number E shoots fireballs, so it's always welcome, but now the star of the show is easily the homing missile launcher. It shoots three shots at once, which home in on goon number 73 with ease, making it the easiest to use by far. The graphics are great, the screen is always packed with enemies, yet there's no slowdown, and there's an excellent level of detail in the bosses and enemies. There's also a hint of background animation as well. If Jenna Jameson was put on the Game Boy, she wouldn't look this good. The good, classic old-school gameplay, as addictive as Pringles, hard. Great name. The not-so-good, too hard, question mark, frustrating, no plot. Graphics, 9. Gameplay, 8. Sound, 10. Lifespan, 9. All out of 10. Overall, 9 out of 10 for a 90%. Operation C is a great game. It's as playable as Mario and addictive as Tetris. But if you're looking for a quality slice of old school pie or a portable... Oh, bye! If you're looking for a quality slice of old school pie or a portable version of Rambo. Four and a half. Outstanding. Wow, I'm 
I don't know, guys. Uh, we just took a shot on some reviewers we'd never heard of before, and I think they both delivered. Um, Operation C, I'm thinking back on it. Like I said, really enjoyed playing this game. Uh, I remember the graphics being good. I remember the music being good. I don't remember not liking anything. I even remember there being like a, uh, what do you call it? Like Chrono Triggery looking boss. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, that's, that's a thing for sure. Check it out. It's a good game. It is time for the news, everybody, and our lead stories involve fashion foibles this week. And because white shoes are so distracting when you're lining up your putt, I guess, according to Time Magazine, Nike will be mowing over the competition with its new Air Max 1 golf shoes, which feature uppers covered with a green material that resembles grass. Matching green laces will further disguise your dogs as you play around, but lest you think you'll disappear altogether, fear not. The trademark Nike swoosh on the sides is bright white. The sneakers, yet to be released, are expected to retail for $140. 
And just when you thought there was nothing new under the blue jeans sun, a Ukrainian designer is asking $377 for a pair of jeans that have one leg fitted and one leg flared. Xiana Schneider, Schneider, Schneider. The first name is still working me over here. Who calls her design the asymmetric gene, tolls dazeddigital.com. It's good to get people talking, and they're definitely definitely going to make people turn their heads as you walk by. Are they, though? Are they? People without issues. Rachel Childs, 29, of Pearland, Texas, is not autistic and doesn't have a twin autistic sister, according to the Houston Chronicle. Nevertheless, she hired a caregiver for her fake twin sister who is not autistic. The elaborate plot, which played out in early January, involved the caregiver picking up the twin at Childs' home and taking her to the caregiver's home where he was hired to care for her overnight. But when Childs' twin exhibited sexual conduct toward the caregiver, he became suspicious and investigated Childs, then contacted the police. Childs was charged with burglary of a habitation with intent to commit assault and indecent exposure. That is some dedication to the con right there. Can't say I agree with it, but you're dedicated. I give you points for that. Precocious folks, employees of John J. Murphy Elementary School in Round Lake Park, Illinois, is the lake round or is the park round? We're surprised on January 9th when a car drove in the drop-off lane with an, an 11-year-old student excuse me, exited the driver's seat. Witnesses alerted police who issued an arrest warrant for the front seat passenger, 31-year-old, oh boy, Kafilu M. Oshodi of Round Lake for two counts of child endangerment. A nine-year-old was riding in the back seat. Well, that's where they're supposed to be. Police Chief George Falenko told the Lake County News Sun the situation could have quote, resulted in any number of tragic scenarios. The children have been placed with other relatives and police are still looking for Oshodi. Meanwhile, Alaya Hernandez of Houston is a skilled barber in her father's shop, reported KTRK-TV on January 17th, which wouldn't ordinarily be newsworthy. But Alaya, Alaya, is only seven years old. Her dad, Frankie, says she's been watching him since she was a toddler and started perfecting her skills three years ago. For her part, Alaya still says cutting hair comes naturally to her. She practices on friends and family, with her dad supervising, and has already faced off in barber competitions across Texas. Not much to do in Texas, I guess. What's that up in the sky? That super-rare blood wolf moon of January 20th was so captivating to some sky watchers on Florida's Point Verde Beach that they didn't notice when the tide rolled in and waterlogged their Honda CRV. The St. Johns County Sheriff's Office told News 4 Jacks the occupants were able to get out of the car and move to safety, although the vehicle itself wasn't recovered until the next day. A photo showed water up to the windshield on the front end. Meanwhile, in West Palm Beach, Florida, two unnamed 24-year-olds chose to view the January 20th eclipse by lying prone in the middle of a dark road near Epoxy Wilderness Trail, which would have worked out fine except around 11.30 when a West Palm Beach police officer patrolling the area ran over the pair. Fortunately, reported the South Florida Sentinel, he was cruising at just five miles an hour, and the human speed bump sustained only non-life-threatening injuries. The officer was put on paid administrative leave while the incident was investigated. Normally, I'm not a fan of that kind of treatment for an officer when they physically harm somebody, especially an unarmed somebody. That doesn't sound like his fault, though. 
But we'll see. Terrifying technology tales. Laura Lyons of Orinda, California, was in her kitchen on the afternoon of January 20th when a loud alert noise blared in the living room, followed by a detailed warning from Civil Defense that intercontinental ballistic missiles were on their way from North Korea to Los Angeles, Chicago, and Ohio. Lyons told the San Jose Mercury News the message warned residents that they had three hours to evacuate. As she and her husband observed the news, they realized it had come from their Nest security camera, not from the TV where the Rams-Saints game was proceeding as normal, and news channels were not reporting anything unusual. It was five minutes of sheer terror, she said. The Lyons's called 911, and then Nest, where a supervisor told them that they had been victims of a third-party hack on their camera and speakers. Which is incredibly common, because the security software in these things is ridiculous. It is harder to hack into somebody's router than it is these things. And we all know, you can just go online and look up router login, like nothing. Uh, Nest is one of the biggest, um, most biggest named offenders of this. Their security is just so awful. That's why smart homes are a stupid idea. For now. Maybe someday, but not now. Self-medicating. When a 33-year-old unnamed Irishman was admitted to a Dublin hospital with swelling in his right forearm and a rash, he surprised the attending physician with the cure he had been using for his back pain. For a year and a half, reported Canoe.com on January 16th, the man had been injecting his own semen into his right forearm. X-rays revealed a pool of the fluid under his skin, which had become infected. He had advised, uh, devised excuse me, this cure independent of any medical advice, noted Dr. Lisa Dunn in the Irish Medical Journal. He also told Dr. Dunn that his back pain had worsened after lifting a heavy metal object. Our latest religious messages, British retailer Marks & Spencer is in hot water with Muslims who claim the store's brand of toilet paper is embossed with the Arabic symbol for the word God. An unnamed man posted a video to social media displaying a roll of MS aloe vera three-ply tissue and urging his Muslim brothers and sisters to avoid buying it or boycott the store altogether. Metro News reports that in response, Marks & Spencer says the symbol is of an aloe vera leaf. The motif on the aloe vera toilet tissue, which we have been selling for over five years, is categorically of an aloe vera leaf, and we have investigated and confirmed this with our suppliers. And finally, keep that to yourself. Dennis Palmer, 31, who appears to be guilty of more than TMI on January 10th when police were called to a Walmart in Stewart, Florida. TCPalm.com reported that Palmer was in the pillow aisle when he was seen exposing and touching himself inappropriately. Palmer told police he was just itching himself because he has crabs. But surveillance video recorded Palmer indulging in rubbing and activities other than scratching. This continued for several minutes, the affidavit stated. When police asked Palmer what he was thinking, he replied, He wasn't thinking, but he should have been thinking. He was jailed for exposure of sexual organs.
Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to the show this week. As always, you can find all the information about this episode and all previous episodes, including the playlist and links to the music heard on at lowbiasgaming.net, where you can get more detailed information for the show itself at Electric Leftovers. Uh, Check out all the Let's Plays and all the videos for the games we talk about. You can find all that over there as well. You can find Electric Leftovers on YouTube. Though, admittedly, I am ridiculously behind in getting that uploaded. I've been working on other stuff. This hasn't been a priority. I'm sorry, okay? Um, what else can I tell you? Well, not much. Uh, we're just going to keep on keeping on with the way we've been keeping on, and I guess we'll catch you later, folks. Uh, oh, yeah, this is a thing I can mention. If you would like to kick in a little cash into the tip jar for the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash Jason's Groove Machine, whether it's $1, $10, or $25,000. No donation is too small. No donation is too big. But, you know, two bucks would be great. Thanks very much. Have a good week. Brought to you by...